everyone and welcome back to show number two. I am Natasha and today I have a quick uh, murder case and I want that I want to talk to you about and it's not quick from lack of research or anything like that but there isn't much information out there about it but before I get into it just wanted to say that I hope everyone had a great week and Thanksgiving. Sorry for the little noises behind. I forgot to put my computer on. Do not disturb. Uh, but yeah, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and a great week. And um, I had a little quaint dinner with my family for Thanksgiving, and I wanted to eat a lot. But when the time came, I don't know if some of you have experienced this, but after cooking so much, I didn't really feel like eating anymore. Uh, but I did eat, and the food was great. Um, Brittany is still on vacation, having a great time. So today I'm just talking to you all. And today I'm going to be talking about the case of Jill Lynn Udo. Welcome everybody to episode two. I hope everybody was had a great week and is having a great week. And had an awesome Thanksgiving. Hope everybody ate lots and um, had a lot of leftovers. And um, thanks for coming back to episode two. If you listened to episode one, I am completely grateful. And um, I'm today, I, today I'm by myself. Brittany is still on vacation. And um, so, yeah, so just bear with me. I'll try to make this as fun as possible, but not really, because we're still talking about an unsolved case today, which happened back in the 2000s and I'm sorry if you hear noises behind me it's my cats being horribly bad because I'm not giving them attention and they're narcissists so I asked for them to bear with me they just don't care anyways today I'm going to talk about Jill Lynn Udo and this case um, this case is important to me not important well it is important because you know nobody's ever caught the killer and um, and there wasn't really much evidence, which was strange. And um, there haven't been any more leads in a while. So, and whatever they do have, they're not sharing with the public for obvious reasons, you know, because only person who did it would probably know, you know, certain facts. So we shouldn't know. And it would just hurt the case. So, so again, um, back in the 90s, um, I'm sorry, not back in the 90s, in 2000s, I'm really dating myself, but I, uh, I was going to college at Bryan and Stratton, and um, and I remember on my way there, I was driving with a friend. We both went to the same school, and I remember driving, and I saw out, and you know, I saw this woman coming out of a building, and she looked really distressed, and to me that was strange because I was coming from a small little town called Marcellus, and. And I lived on a lake and so or next to the lake I didn't live on the lake I lived above from it but anyways and, and nothing ever happened out there I mean the worst that happened was cow tipping I guess me and my friends would you know smoked weed in the backwoods it that I mean it's country then nothing happens out there I don't think anything ever happens out there literally um, so you know to me this was strange because the city was fascinating to me now 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 i can't stand the city anymore but um the city it was fascinating to me back then so seeing somebody come out of their apartment building was just strange and i'm like thinking wow what's going on 
Well, this is before Google um, or before I had access to Google. And um, and really, we had, <clears throat> I didn't have AOL, I think I had net zero. So my search engine was extremely slow and it was on dial up. My mother just didn't want to pay for AOL. I don't know why. Anyways, um, so, and I, it just, you know, struck out, you know, my thinking, I hope she's okay. Well, in that week, um, on the news came out that a woman had been stabbed and she was in the James Street apartments. And that just so happens to be the apartments that I saw that woman come out of in distress and, you know, crying. And I'm thinking it was, and it was on that day that they mentioned, and it was just strange to me. And I'm thinking maybe that has something to do with that. And that was somebody that knew her. I don't know for a fact. I'm just putting two and two together because uh, it was just strange. I heard that that happened in the same place where that woman was. Anyways, I'm rambling. So, um, so anyways, I, uh, okay, let's see. I lost my way. Fast forward, Natasha. I'm, um, Okay, so on the news, uh, it was, they were talking about that they found the body of 18-year-old Jillian Udo, and she was discovered in her apartment at the James Apartments, not James Street Apartments, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Um, okay, start over, Natasha. Okay, so... When I found out about the case, and I just put two and two together, um, Jill and Udo was the woman that was stabbed. She was 18 years old, and um, no, start that over. So the case is about they found the body of Jill and Udo, who was 18 years old, and she was stabbed to death in her apartment. There's hardly any information on her case, so this might be a quick podcast, but I do want to get out there the things that I did did read throughout the years, and. You know, she has people that love her, um, you know, and still think about her. And I had to go through Reddit, Facebook pages, and Google to try and gather as much information as possible. And also fact check to make sure what I was reading was correct. And um, so let me just talk about Jill Lynn Udo for a little while, for a little bit. She was born on March 20th, 1982 in Syracuse, New York to Joanne Browning. And Jill's father's never mentioned in any documents, and he never showed up to her funeral or memorial. Jill was living in Colorado Springs when she was in high school, but due to the gun control at that time, Joanne Browning decided to move back to Syracuse, New York. Unfortunately, the curriculum in New York schools is vastly different. Um, Some might say it's a little tough. Um, I went to school in New York. I don't know. I passed. I graduated. That's all I can say. I think they just wanted me out of their school. But anyways. Um, but to catch up and graduate, Jill would have to retake two years of high school. And so she was like, you know what? It's just high school. And really, it, high school is just high school. It gives you like a base level of what you might need in life. And to be honest with you, I don't think it does give you anything that you need in life. I mean, let's be honest. They should have other classes like you know, well, not then, but now they should have coding and finances and, you know, how to survive in life when you become on your own. But that's off topic. Anyways, I keep saying anyways a lot, so I'm sorry. I will work on that. Uh, Jill, Jill seemed to have a plan for her life, so instead she received a GED. Awesome for her. 
And after that, she went to get a job at Aeropostale in Shopping Town Mall. That mall is now desolate. Um, but I've also read that she worked at Carousel Center, which is now known as Destiny USA. And then, and then um, her and her mother, they went apartment searching because she wanted to be on her own. She's 18. And um, I get it. When I was 18, I left my house and I was like, you know what? I don't need this. I can do my own thing. I had a whole plan in my head that with my own money that I was going to live the life. Yeah, okay. Life was like, haha. So her mother helped her look and they settled on the James Street apartments located at 600 James Street, Syracuse, New York. The apartment was close to her Lincourt home, but in the bus line and, um, All right, go back to the whole, um, but Jill seemed to have a plan for her life. But Jill seemed to have a whole plan for her life, like, you know, move out on her own, get her own apartment, and, you know, get her GED. And she did all that. She achieved that. So she got her GED, moved out, you know, had enough money saved up to get her own apartment. And good for her at 18, you know, today. I don't know if a lot of people still do that. I know I did back when I was 18. Um, because we had an idea in our head, well, I had an idea in my head, you know, that I was going to live my life. Nobody's going to tell me what to do, but unfortunately I had a landlord that told me when to pay rent, but this isn't about me. Um, so her mother helped her find an apartment and they made sure that it was close to a bus line. Jill did not drive and, um, and she was still close to her mother's house. So I don't know if she didn't drive or just didn't have a license or didn't know how to drive. It doesn't say, it doesn't even really matter, but it was close to the bus line and close to her mother's house, which was good. It was like a halfway point. And um, so the she found an apartment at the James apartment located at 600 James Street in Syracuse, New York. And, um, and the area at that time seemed safe enough. I mean, now it's kind of iffy I don't trust anything inside Syracuse because it's just gotten worse and worse no matter where you go in there, especially after dark. So I think then though it might have been okay. Um, but she was making plans to become a paramedic. So she took classes to get her paramedic license while working, which you know what, good for her because going to school and working at the same time, it's not easy. And you're 18, so you're like, should I go out? Do I study or? You know, because I think at 18, I don't know if anybody else can relate, but you're kind of just living for the moment. Um, very seldom do I hear that, you know, teenagers are, you know, are extremely mature and are like looking, you know, to and have a whole plan laid out. And a lot of them do. I'm not saying that they don't, but, you know, some of them also just live for the moment, but also still have a plan. And so good for her that she was doing that. But unfortunately, on March 28, 2001, Jill's life came to an end. She spoke with her mother, Joanne, that day to go and watch the Super Bowl game with her family. So this was on a Sunday, um, but she never showed up. And Joanne, the mother, figured she went out with friends. And so she didn't worry. She's probably like, oh, you know, she went out with friends instead of coming to hang out with her family, which, you know, sometimes it's more fun to go hang out with, um, with your friends. You know, you can drink, talk whatever you want. And, you know, it's not as, 
you know, you don't have to like watch anything or watch how you are, you know, with your friends. So, um, so her mother didn't worry, but, um, on Monday, Joanne still didn't hear from Jill. So she called her job and they said Jill never showed up for work. And Joanne and Jenna, which is Jill's younger sister, they headed over to the apartment. Now, I guess, you know, Jill didn't miss work. So of course they're alarmed that she wouldn't show up, which is the first thing when people, you know, do. If like here, you don't go to work and you go to work all the time because not only do you have to, but you're a stickler for just being on time because you're a good person. But yeah, she didn't show up. So they went over to her apartment and when Joanne got there, Jill's door was unlocked and the doors are always locked. This is again in, on James Street. So not horrible, but it's not the like deep country where you know, you know your neighbor and their entire family and you don't have to worry about anything. But what her mother and sister saw uh, was that of a horror scene. Joanne was in a state of shock and she subconsciously called 911 while Jenna was banging on doors and screaming for help. But nobody came out and nobody answered their door. The only living thing was Jill's dog, which Joanne was holding for comfort. But I read that the dog was like extremely quiet and I think whimpering, whimpering, like it, it knew, the dog knows what happened. This poor dog saw everything that happened. So it's just poor thing, you know, dogs are, I feel like sometimes they're like little tiny humans. They are just as empathetic and they understand negative energy and they understand negative things that happen. I don't care if they're a big dog or a small dog, energy is energy. So, and it's also strange to me that we opened their door. I mean, I understand this is James Street and people are, people on the street, you know, somebody comes, some crazy person can go in. But if you have a person banging on every door, I mean, come on, be a good person and poke your head out, grab the pepper spray if you have to, but say, hey, what's wrong? Or call 911 and say, hey, there's a lunatic outside my door because you have no idea what's going on. But do something. Don't just be an asshole and stay inside your house or your apartment. That's baloney. Anyways. Um, but whoever killed Jill used a knife in the kitchen. And with that knife, they slit her throat and stabbed her multiple times. It was estimated that she was killed between 12 p.m. and 3 p.m. Police were asked if she was sexually assaulted, but they would not comment on that. Um, police did have not publicly named any suspects or given much detail. I believe they're still holding on to hope that the guilty person might divulge a clue that was not released to the public. They fortunately collected DNA evidence in 2016 and, oh, they collected DNA evidence. Sorry, I misspoke. But in 2016, a DNA profile was built, but nothing has come of it yet. And there haven't been any hits in the database. So... I'm not sure. I didn't look up if there are any laws, if any criminals have to submit their DNA. But if you're a criminal, if somebody's a criminal or got booked for anything, I think they should submit their DNA. Because if this person who killed, who killed Jill, I'm pretty sure they create, they've done some other offenses. Somebody just goes and kills somebody and then is an angel the entire time. That it's unheard of, I think. And, or maybe it's not, but, or maybe it was like a, a crime of passion kind of thing that they didn't say about her having any boyfriends or anything like that. So I'm assuming that a, this is somebody she knew 
and B, somebody wasn't planning on doing what they did because they used a weapon from her house or maybe she fought back and instead of using their hands, they had to use a weapon instead. Not 100% sure, obviously, because it's still, you know, still unsolved. But, you know, if they're a criminal, people are coming in, being booked, take their DNA sample. I'm pretty sure this killer would have been caught by now if you have a profile and if that criminal had been processed. So, anyways, Joanne, <clears throat> Jill's mother, went on a mission for the rest of her life trying to solve her daughter's murder. She had Lamar billboards. Lamar is a company here that put up the billboards. I'm not sure how it is in other states, but they own the billboards here. And they're expensive. We have a business and, you know, trying to put up a big billboard with just our company monthly is like 2,500 or more, something like that. And it's ridiculous. But Lamar billboards did donate two of them to post the $13,000 reward for information that led to a conviction, which awesome for Lamar. Uh, she also went on the Montel Williams show and Sally Jesse Raphael show to talk about the murder of her daughter. So again, this is back in the 2000s where talk shows were the thing. Um, and also called the police station every day for an update. This woman was relentless. Then on February 2nd, 2002, Jill and Udo's case was profiled on America's Most Wanted. Sadly, none of her efforts worked and still no one came forward and there were no more clues. So, I mean, she did, I mean, she did the most. I mean, anything you could possibly do to try to find a killer or try to bring light to this case, she did. So, you know, it's not, it, it wasn't for a lack of trying, it was a lack of evidence, a lack of information that was out there and a lack of knowing anything at that moment. Because again, it doesn't say if she had any enemies she was a good girl she did everything she was supposed to do so it was just strange how just one day her door's unlocked and she's murdered grievous but grievously on october 25th 2007 joanne fell 15 feet off the roof of tobin's garage and landed on her head and while working she miscalculated her step sadly there was too much head trauma and she was taken off life support on october 28 2007 at 11:30 in University Hospital. Joanne was only 51 years old and she was buried in the same cemetery as her daughter. Jill's sister and uncle are now keeping up with the case in hopes they can solve it in their lifetime. So now here are my theories and personal thoughts. The layout of the building had a few exits. According to a Reddit post by Lam Quinn, they stated that they lived either in the same apartment or next to it. The walls are very thin and they could hear the neighbors and the people outside the door. This apartment was on the sixth floor with six to eight apartments with doors facing each other. The exits are the front stairwell, the back stairwell, and the elevator. The front stairwell is well lit and the quickest way to leave. The elevator is very old, very slow, and has some maintenance issues. The back stairwell is closed off but leads to the laundry and garbage room. The garbage room has an exit to the outside. so. It has multiple exits that you can escape from. Um, but again, this would have to be somebody who had a plan to get out of one of these and would have to know the layout of the place or they would have to live next to her or just, you know, just do it out of surprise. You know, I don't even want to say the thoughts in my head of how they could have done this because I'm pretty sure you have an imagination if you're listening to this. 
And if you've watched enough true crime, you can probably speculate how he could have done that or how the person could have done this without her making a noise. Um, or if the person that the two people next to her apartment just weren't home. Um, after reading everything that I read, I questioned how not one person heard anything. So someone posted that it was a Super Bowl Sunday and the TVs could have been loud. But according to how the crime scene was described, there must have been a struggle. And let's face it, a scream is a scream. And how about her dog? I'm pretty sure he was barking. So barking and a scream and still no one heard that and nothing was taken. So it wasn't a robbery. So what was the killing for? My thoughts are that she was A, stalked. She was unknowingly stalked and followed while possibly walking her dog. She was followed into her apartment, explaining the non-forced entry, and then was assaulted. She could have fought back, and the assailant, getting caught off guard, grabbed her kitchen knife and killed her. Now, again, when the police, I don't know if you remember, in the beginning, the police were asked if she was sexually assaulted, but they didn't give a response of yes or no. So, we're not sure, but stalking could be... Um, could be any an idea it could be a crime of passion which i mentioned before uh she i didn't know if she had a boyfriend or girlfriend the person who killed her wasn't intending on doing so otherwise they would have had brought their weapon or and were her friends questioned and was she in a disagreement with any of them so again none of this is publicly stated so i don't know or see someone from the building the first two theories would have had to know the layout of the building to escape but if someone lived next to her then they could just quickly go back to their apartment so i don't know if they interrogated or asked questions to the two other apartment people to the other people in the other two apartments right next to her or even across from her or surrounding her um but i would have you know looked in their backgrounds everybody's a, a suspect at this point i mean every single person because nobody because you know you don't have one person in mind, so anybody, you would I would think you would have in mind. But anyways, the police are still tight-lipped, but without names or clues, no one, how can anyone be discovered? The pattern in which this happened could have happened elsewhere, almost happened to someone else. No one can compare their situation surrounding this case if they have nothing to go off of. So... So yeah, so this is it. This is all the information I gathered off any possible on Wikipedia, off their references, which so you can see there's not a lot out there and there's not a lot to go off of. And there are no suspects named. And um, and even on Reddit, nobody has an idea, any names of any suspects out there. So I hope that um, they do have people in mind and I hope that in the lifetime of Jill and, Jill and Udo's family that they do capture somebody or or I hope the person that does you know even if they're not captured I hope that they have horrible karma horrible horrible karma in their life and nothing goes right I hope nothing goes right in their life because you do not, do not deserve to be forgiven at all for this you took away a life of a woman who was 18 years old had everything going for her and had a bright future of ideas of things she wanted to accomplish and you took that away for only god knows why but you do not deserve to live because you took somebody else's life and you took somebody else's loved one you took their sister away took their daughter away you are a horrible horrible shitty person 
and I hope you rot in hell when the time comes for you. So, anyways, that is my podcast for today. It is very short, and I am sorry, and but I do want to thank you again for listening, and um, I hope you attend next time. Hopefully, Brittany will be back from her vacation, and we'll have something a little bit longer and a little bit more fun for you. Until then, you have a great week and a great night and a great life. Bye.